0: Hello and welcome to A Mighty Blaze podcast, season five. I'm your host, Tricia Blanchett. A Mighty Blaze was created in 2020 to connect readers and writers during the COVID pandemic and has since developed into an online hotspot for book news, festival broadcasts, and interviews with wonderful writers like the one we've got for you today. Wanda Morris has the thriller everyone is talking about. Including the New York Times, the LA Times, Entertainment Weekly, and of course, thousands and thousands of happy readers. All Her Little Secrets has been called a taut, sleek thriller, expertly plotted, and a stunning debut. Even Wanda herself, who said her wildest dream was only ever to have the book published and sitting on a shelf in a bookstore, has been stunned by the reception. She joined fellow best-selling author Hank Phillippe Ryan to talk about the novel's surprisingly diverse audience, how her executive background inspired the book's cutthroat setting and plot, why her book is really about family and love, despite the body count, and the special significance of the story's original title. So settle in and enjoy the conversation as I pass the blaze torch to Hank and her captivating guest, Wanda Morris.
1: Welcome, 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 everyone. I am Hank Phillipy Ryan. It is Tuesday, and it is 4 p.m. ET, and you are in the very right place for Mighty Mysteries on a Mighty Blaze. We are here every Tuesday at 4 p.m. ET to bring you another fabulous author and another fabulous new book. As I said, I'm Hank Philippi Ryan, the USA Today bestselling author of 13 thrillers, the newest of which is casually displayed, oops, behind me, on the wall, um, Her Perfect Life, which has starred reviews from Kirkus and Publishers Weekly. And I am very, very grateful for that now in a second printing. Um, we are so thrilled today to bring you Wanda Morris, whose debut, all her little secrets, is just tearing up the place. It it came out last week to incredible acclaim. You have never heard such acclaim. And Wanda, everyone is talking about this book. Everyone is talking about it. It's suspenseful. It's original. It's emotional. It's a psychological thriller, the way I describe it, which happens to be about a lawyer um, it has all the page turning suspense and power hungry manipulations of the firm and i am not the only one who absolutely adores this book. If you are new to A Mighty Blaze, let me tell you this very, very quickly before we get to Wanda. Um, It's a group of three dozen or so volunteers who bring you constant programming about books and reading and authors started at the beginning of the pandemic by the powerhouse team of Jenna Blum and Caroline Levitt to keep us all in a community talking about books and reading and authors. And here every Tuesday at 4 p.m., we bring you our mystery program. Um, and of course, we will do a giveaway when my final announcement, my final housekeeping announcement, we'll do a giveaway of all her little secrets. So one of you during the program, ask Wanda a question or just tell her how much you are eager to read the book or how much you love this book. And the blazer behind the scenes will pick a winner during the live broadcast. So as always, you must be here live. That's a little secret to win all her little secrets. Welcome, Wanda Morris, to Mighty Mysteries. It is such a treat to see you. I'm in Boston. Where are you, and how has the launch been?
2: Oh, wow. I am in Atlanta, Georgia, and sunny and about 75 degrees here today, so it's absolutely gorgeous. And the launch, wow. Um, this week has been... Um, amazingly surreal. I have never experienced anything like it. And um, I am just trying to soak it all in um, and kind of enjoy the ride. It's been um, incredible, it really has.
1: I mean, this launch has been uh, quite special in the history of launches. This book, All Her Little Secrets, I want to show it to you all a million times because you are absolutely going to love it got so much attention starting really early on. I know you and I have talked about this, that you were saying that you were doing interviews and programs and all kinds of things early on um, in your wildest dreams. Did you think that something like this would happen for this book? I mean, it was excerpted in entertainment weekly
2: and that just doesn't happen very often. <laughs> um, no. So in word, no, I um you know, when I started it all those years ago, my my hope, my prayer was that I would um, write a book. I would tell a story that would touch people, that um, would make people laugh, maybe make them well up a little bit, and that it would be bound and sit on a shelf in a bookstore or library. That was like my wildest, you know, kind of what would you like? this to be. And so um, very early on, as you referenced, when um, people started to resonate with the book and um, I got a chance to talk about the book, I was just like, wow, this is like more than I anticipated. And then it just kept growing. And people have been so incredibly generous with their praise and their reviews. And it has far, far exceeded anything that I could have imagined for this book. I I really just wanted a book to sit on a shelf and kind of encompass the story that I wanted to tell. And it's been so much more.
1: It it, it has, but well-deserved. These things, you know, people, you say people are generous, but people aren't always generous. People (laughs) are honest. And people are loving this book. Sherry is saying, congratulations on your new book. Carla is saying, hi, Hank and Wanda from Alabama. And here's Emily Dame. And here's Julie Kadamas, who says, I love this book. And Mary Rita Schwartz is saying, congratulations. And Joyce is saying, congratulations. You know, these are people without this book, you would never know them. These people would never know you. You would never know them. And that's and that's quite an amazing thing as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Indeed. Um... You know, that's been one of the bigger surprises as well, is that the book has resonated with a lot of different people. Mm -hmm. Um, I tell a story about one Black woman, but this book has resonated, you know, across gender, across races. Um, You know, I have have 20-somethings telling me oh my gosh, I just love this and this story I can so relate to. And, you know, it's a story about a Black female who's in her 40s. Um, so it's really been um, incredible. And and I'm just, I, I really am blown away. I don't have words to articulate it. So I keep using the same kind of well, silly words.
1: <laughs> I love those silly words. And it is a joy to hear you say them. Let me introduce you a little bit formally to the group of someone who doesn't know your background. Very quickly, I'm gonna read it so I get it right. Wanda Morris is a corporate attorney who has worked in the legal departments for several Fortune 100 companies. An accomplished presenter and leader, Morris has previously served as president of the Georgia chapter of the Association of Corporate Counsel and is the founder of its Women's Initiative, an empowerment program for female in-house lawyers an alumna of the Yale Writers' Workshop and Robert McKee's Story Seminar. She is a member of Sisters in Crime, Mystery Writers of America, and Crime Writers of Color. Morris is married, the mother of three, and as she told us, lives in Atlanta, Georgia, where I lived for years. So it was really fun um, to think about us living in the same city at different times. Um, were you there in the in the late, in the late 70s and early 80s?
2: I was not. Um, I'm originally from Ohio, ah. so I moved down here after law school. Um, so, yeah, I wasn't down here during that period.
1: Okay, and I'm originally from Indiana, so we were still adjacent. adjacent. There we go. <laughs> Just to ground everyone in your story, before we get into it a little bit more deeply, tell us about all her little secrets. Just tell us
2: the basic story. Sure. I tell people that, um, jokingly, despite the body count, it really is a book about family and love and loss and resilience. Mm. Um, It is the story of Elise Littlejohn, who is a black female lawyer, um, late 40s, seemingly has it all, high paying job, great group of friends, but she goes into the office one day for a meeting with their boss and she finds him dead of a gunshot. And she does what um, seemingly would be the unthinkable. She walks away as if she's seen nothing. And the reason why she does that is because she has some dark secrets of her own. Um, Shortly after his death, she is promoted to replace her boss in the executive suite. And once there, things take a turn for the worse. Um, all those dark secrets, including a small town pass and a brother she's tried to um, keep under wraps. Um, All of those secrets start to kind of climb to the top and bubble to the surface. And she also discovers a really sinister plot. And so she is put in this quagmire of trying to save her brother and stop a conspiracy that's far more sinister than anything she ever imagined.
1: And it is fascinating. It is such a page turner. I love what you say about family love, loss, and resilience. What was the what was the thing that was the germ of this story? What was the thing that made you think, oh, yes, I'm gonna write about Elise Littlejohn and her mm-hmm. past and her present and her future? What started you with that?
2: Sure. So um, I worked for an organization where um, executive management called everyone family. You know, when you work here at Lip Company, you're family. Everybody's part of the family. But it was evident that they didn't treat their employees like family, whether it was pay equity or promotional opportunities, Um, women, people of color, disabled, were not very valued in the company. Um, But one person um, in the organization, in my department specifically, um, died. And there was nothing sinister about the death. But it just stuck with me because I was mortified by how quickly everybody went back to normal. Like the person had never existed, like the office was cleaned and two days later, somebody was in there and the person's name was never mentioned again. And it just stuck with me that if we were all family, why were we treated like this? And, um, and so it, it served as the theme that I wanted to explore in the book, like who do we call a family and why?
1: And that and and that's fascinating because I know we've I know that your book wasn't initially called All Her Little Secrets. And I love the origin of what the original title was and how that informs what you just talked about, this corporate culture and the duplicity and the manipulativeness and the sort of fake family element of it, mm-hmm. and how people's hearts can be broken on so many levels and people's lives ruined because of that culture. Tell us, tell us, tell us, tell everybody else the secret of what this book used to be called and and why that was important. Sure,
2: sure. So um, the book for years um, was called The Elephant Fighter. And the title came from an African proverb that says, when elephants fight, the only thing that suffers is the grass which essentially means that people with all the power um, argue and bicker and fight. The little people who are without are the ones who suffer the greatest. Hmm. And um, the the uh, epithet of the book still contains that proverb, which I was very pleased about. Um, and the book is structured into three sections, the elephants, the grass, and the fight. I. I chose that title because um, the the corporate culture that I explore in the book deals with um, these giants of sort. And, you know, if you read the I book- the powerful people out of corporations. Exactly, in the executive suite. Mm-hmm. But as you read the book, you start to come away with the thought that, hmm, Elise Littlejohn, who's the protagonist, she too is an elephant of sorts she has power and she exacts that power um, much like the other executives in the office and in the process people get hurt as well and i think that is kind of um i think that's the element of the story that cuts the most emotion because you have someone who seemingly um is you know, kind of an ordinary, everyday person, but kind of doesn't realize her strength and the power. And when she finally does, she kind of looks around at the decimation that it's created. And, and I think it cuts to the heart.
1: It, we like her from moment one, and we see her struggling as a Black woman in this in this company that pretends to welcome her. Um, and pretends to be helping her and we see her trying to gauge what's really going on and we start with her though as a little girl which is so, so mm-hmm. sweet um and so tender um t- tell us a little bit about her who who at least little john is and why she is the way she is N- not giving
2: anything away of course yeah, but spoiling. just let us meet her sure so um just to back up the book is told in dual timelines um so that the reader can see and appreciate elise as a 14 year old girl um one hot summer before she departs this rural town in georgia and then the present day scenes where she is a working adult and the reason why I wrote the book in dual timelines, you have to understand, it was written in a linear fac- fashion originally. Um, so you well, didn't
1: start out with the, with the dual timelines. I, you started I, out with Elise in the present. Is that correct?
2: Exactly. And the, the entire book was told just in the present um, timeline. But I got and we talked about this, I got a ton of rejection for this book. And one of the uh, recurring things through the rejection was that I just don't understand why she would behave the way she does. And so I knew I needed to flesh out more for the reader, her backstory. Mm -hmm. And that's why I opened up and and did the dual timelines. And so when you come to understand um, this 14 year old girl, who, for all intents and purposes, essentially raised her little brother. Um, Her mother had her own challenges. And um, so it was really left to Elise to serve as kind of um, the family structure. And so she is very, very loyal to her brother. Um, There is another character in the book, Vera, who I absolutely love. And um, she kind of steps in the gap and she serves in this kind of mother maternal role um, for both children, both Elisa and her brother. And so the, um, the backstory deals with this love and this unbreakable bond between she and her brother and then this maternal figure and how this woman guided her essentially to the success that she became in the present day. But it was also a way to explain um, the things that happened to her back in that summer of 1979 also uh, were inextricably tied to the things that happened in that office suite where she finds her boss dead and her reaction to it.
1: So she's a smart, hard-driving, ambitious lawyer who also happens to fall in love with the wrong person, about which she berates herself um, throughout. But everyone makes a mistake like that. And it's all about power and ambition and making her life better. And yet there's this undercurrent of the little girl she used to be and what everyone wanted for her and hoped for her. The dual timeline is gorgeous. And if you'll look at the, take a look at the comments. When I look over here, you all, I'm looking at the comments to see what you all are saying in the comments. And it's just, ooh, we love a dual timeline story. Dual timelines (laughs) are my favorite, says Sherry. Carla says, love dual timeline stories. Lots of exclamation marks going on. The thing that, um, that I adore about this book, one of the many things, is your really rich An original voice, the voice of Wanda Morris, the writer, comes out. And as a result, the the voice of Elise comes out. Um, And I was telling, Wanda and I talked the other day about this in another interview. So um, we're getting to know each other pretty well, happily, through this amazing book. But I I teach a class, I was telling Wanda, in Mm -hmm. first lines. And I've now Mm -hmm. taken Wanda's first line and put that in my class um, to teach writing students what makes a good first line and what and why a good first line draws you into the book and let me just take a moment to read this first line to you all this is the first line um i'm looking for my glasses here oh do you hear that siren this is like no don't read the first line um the the book begins chillicothe georgia august 1979 the three of us me my brother sam and vera or miss v as everyone in chillicothe called her looked like a little trio of babavans as we stood in the Greyhound bus station, which in Chillicothe meant a lean-to bus port in the parking lot of the Piggly Wiggly." Now you, you can't, I mean, you have setting, you have character, you have tone, you have voice, and you have action all in that first line, which I counted and it's 50 words. Um, it's a risky first line, because that's a lot of information to give. And yet the rhythm of your voice and that quiet, almost Southern tone of it lets us know that we're going to read uh, literary fiction about someone probably going on a journey. And that's exactly what you give us. Did that first line come out uh, as seamlessly to write as it does on the page?
2: Um, You know what? Interestingly enough, um, yes. Although a lot of other lines in the book did not, yeah, <laughs> <feeling>. <laughs> but that one did. Um, and as I said, when I decided to open up her backstory, I knew that I had to pick a moment, um, where she was showing some real strength mm-hmm. and, you know, what time do you have to be really strong than when you were a young child leaving home for the first time? And I wanted to make sure that I captured not only kind of her, but those who were around her that she was closest to and she loved. And, And you'll find as you read the book, that the three of them have always been like that, and and throughout the book, there's this theme about, you know, how do we take care of Sam? How do we take care of Vera? How do we take care of Elise? They the three of them are kind of caught in this uh, this web of care and and love, and so I wanted to write a sentence that would make the reader kind of stop and say, oh, okay. There must be something with these three, and there really is. If you read the book,
1: of course, there really is, and you and it's so cinematic and so visual with the lean-to and the piggly wiggly. We can all see that in the parking lot, um, and so and and another wonderful thing about all her little secrets, as you can hear from that first line and how Wanda describes the reasoning behind it, it is. It's a wonderful plot. It's a wonderful story. It's a it's a terrific page turning story. But it's also about these relationships and how relationships some relationships are on the surface, but many relationships are the tip of the iceberg, and there's so much underneath them. Whether it's treacherous or whether it's well meaning and loving, and every one of us is trying to trying to figure out how to um, how to weather that. I mean. There are, There is some deep, rough emotional territory in this book that you, you know, emotional to read, fulfilling and gorgeous and emotional to read. But I wonder how it was to write those tough
2: scenes. Oh, that is a good question. Um, it was tough indeed. I um, As you read those scenes, you'll find that I don't put a lot of the really um, kind of tough, gory stuff
1: on the right panel. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm, forgive me for interrupting you. You know me, you, I'm going to do it. Um, that's what I thought was such a, such, so, so great about it is that it's all left to the imagination. Mm-hmm. It's all emotional. It's all, um, we, we can picture what's happening in several scenes, but it doesn't, it, it's not, it's just touching. The, I, I, it, the whole thing is, it's just so touching and so revealing. And the depth of emotion that you created in this book is is quite astonishing.
2: Thank you. Thank you for that. I would like to, you know, I, I liken it to, you know, my own imagination. Mm-hmm. And sometimes my imagination could go places where somebody probably didn't intend in the written word. And so for me, when I was writing those tough scenes, what I wanted to capture there was not so much kind of, you know, the actual event in those tough scenes. Yeah. I wanted to capture the emotion.
1: Exactly.
2: And so when Elise is struggling um, in some scene, I try and back away and write in a way that you are standing and feeling what she's feeling and not so much seeing what she's seeing, but you're kind of caught up in the same emotion that she is. And um, it's just because I think that a person's imagination is much more vivid than what you could write on the page. And even with um, some of the scenes that um, in the book that are not quite as tough and rigorous, um, I I still wanted to capture that emotion. And whether that emotion was humor between she and a girlfriend, or um, love between she and her brother, I wanted to make sure that the reader kind of stood in her place and not necessarily looking through her eyes and seeing, you know the refrigerators here and the sofas here, but like, oh my gosh, you know, this is my best friend, and we're sitting here, and we're both caught in the situation that embarrasses us both.
1: I mean it, it, it's really you, you we love Elise. We are you know we 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 fear for her, we feel for her. We hope for the best for her, and we're also incredibly, I mean, she's brave, and there are some risk taking that Mm -hmm. she does throughout, there are some shocking things, um, emotional things that happen to her, there are some real life revelations about how people really are and what they do behind closed doors that you explore. So I mean, there's so much suspense in this book, I was honestly turning the pages as fast as I could.
2: Um, How was it to write? I mean, were you just typing as fast as you could in those scenes? You know what? I heard someone once, I can't remember who it was. Um, Maybe it was Stephen King or someone who said, you know, if you're not laughing when you write the scene, then, you know, the reader isn't going to laugh. And so those scenes where things are kind of going at this crazy, you know, frenetic pace, I was writing that way um, because, as you well know, you sit at the the keyboard, or in my case, I write all my first drafts by hand. But you sit there in front of the page, and so the ideas are kind of spinning around in your head, and you're writing, and then you have a light bulb moment, and you yeah. go, "Whoa!" Yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. And so you're so anxious to get it down on paper and make sure that you capture all that is in your brain. And so those scenes, um, yeah, I was writing frenetically. Those scenes where, you know, you are kind of like, oh gosh, what's going to happen? You know, those were the moments where I was kind of like, ooh, what would happen here? So I kind of write like I hope people read. Um, if that makes any sense. No, it totally does. And you told, and, and it was
1: it is you you are taken there. It is one of the most cinematic books I've read in a long time. I could completely envision um, every scene of this, which is, which is quite a joy. And I do have to tell you, without any spoilers, I do have to tell you that in the end, I honestly gasped. I just I gasped. And I wonder if you knew what was going to happen. You know, we're being careful here, you all. I I wonder if you knew what was going to happen before you wrote it.
2: Um, well, interestingly enough, that ending came about um, maybe a couple years ago. I had a different ending for the oh. book. And my agent, uh, Lori Galvin, um, who is a wonderful, she has a wonderful eye for manuscripts. And so when she signed me on, she, she told me, and you know, she's like, I love this book. She says, but I think you might need to change the back half. And I was like, oh, great. You know, like. Yeah, just one little thing, the whole half, second right, half. She's like, I love this book, but change the whole half of the back <laughs> end of the book. Um but she was right when I stood back she, because what she said is she said, I think it needs something fresher. And wow. and she was right um, because the ending I originally had had been seen and done before. And um, so, you know, I took her advice. But when I did figure out, you know, what was going to happen at the end, it was, again, one of those light bulb moments. And I was kind of jotting down some things. And then I was like, <gasps> Oh yeah, so it kind of surprised me. So I was just like, I think it surprises the reader too. (laughs) No, I I I think that's such a key
1: thing. You know, I never know the end of my books, never. And people say, "Wow, the ending of or the twist or whatever really surprised me." And I say, "Yeah, wasn't that a surprise?" But what we're going for is surprising but inevitable, and that's the Mm -hmm. thing that's so marvelous about all her little secrets as well is that you're you're surprised, but you think, oh, exactly. That's exactly what, what should have happened. Isn't it interesting to think about an editor's brain, that they can look at your whole book and they can say to you, Wanda, I love this book. Just change about half of it. The idea that she saw this talent in you, and this skill in you, and this potential in you, and instead of saying no, you know, I I want a better book, she said, oh yeah, let's do this together. And that was a moment for you.
2: Oh, it, it really was. I I give her so much credit. Lori is an absolute angel among us. Um, she, you know, she has this incredible eye, not only for story, but she's like, have thought about this or have you thought about that and so you know she kind of i always tell her I was like you know you give me just enough to either run free or enough that you can rein me back in because <laughs> you know there were some parts of the book i kind of went off and she's like you know i'd probably not go there if i were you and i was like okay <laughs> so i
1: love that to have a trusted editor Mm-hmm. Who we rely on because what we don't know and there are so many possibilities. I used to have an editor who would say, "The reader will not understand what's going on in this chapter. In this chapter, please address." She would just say, "Please address," and that meant you know what to do. You can think of it. I tr- I trust you to think of it, but this isn't quite working. And she, it's a, it's such a respect. It's such a respect for a writer's brain that she totally.
2: trusts. It truly that. is because now that was just my agent that looked at the book before oh, we my, my editor is another one with a keen eye. Um, she. Oops. You're back. Oh, OK. Am I back? Yep, you're back. Uh, let me find you because I can't see you. I'm so, so sorry. Oh,
1: about right. You keep talking. You're fine. You're on screen. Beautifully. Here we
2: go. OK, OK. Um, But my editor was just so marvelous because um, when she purchased the book, she said, you know, I knew from the moment I read the first passages of this book, yes, this is the book that I want to edit. And that just meant so much to me because um, she, again, is one who just says, like you say, you know, go do your thing. And, you know, she would have passages in the book where she was like, you know, I like this and I understand it, but I don't think everybody else will. So why don't you gotcha. take another look at that, right? Exactly. But she doesn't micromanage me, which is lovely. I, I adore her Asante Simons. Oh She's wise beyond her years.
1: Completely so, completely so. So you had a you had an agent who loved it, you had an editor who loved it, and now you have this legions of readers who are equally loving the finished product. We're running out of time, but let me quickly ask you one final question. And that is, I want you to tell, if you will, um, all of all of the people here today who are meeting you or knowing you, learning to know you, um, how you began writing this book and how you handled who you told about it.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, so I started this book 13 years ago and I put it away And if there are any writers out there, hear me, take away this one thing from today's interview, do not give up because I put the book away for seven years. Um, And then I picked it up again about six years ago and decided I'm I'm going to commit to this. Um, Long story short, tons and tons of rejection, but I finally um, got a book deal. And um, that's when, you know, I was kind of doing revisions and so forth. But through all those years, I never told anyone I was writing Um, because, again, I was listening to all those little voices in my head that told me, you're a lawyer, you're not a really good writer. Why are you doing this? Um, But probably a few years ago, I had to finally confess and tell my husband because I got into Yale Writers Workshop which meant I'd be away and he'd have to take care of our son. Um, so I told him I wrote this book. But I didn't tell other people, my family, my friends, my colleagues, until the pre-order link went live this year, back in February. So I, I, I just... I don't know what it is about secrets. I guess I can keep one as well as <laughs> Elise Little John. I, I could
1: hear that story a million times. It is so charming and so funny. And I imagine you. I, I you were telling me that you worked in the library on on your lunch hour. Is that yeah, right? I did
2: every you, day. I would go to the library and and write for an hour and a half, but no one knew.
1: So tell me my final question to you, and I will have a couple from the audience if there are any. I think there are. Um, what was your husband's expression when you said, "I have, I am writing a book" or "I have written a book"?
2: He was so funny. He was, I said, "You know, um, I need to go away uh, for a couple weeks," and um, he's like, "Where are you going?" Because he thought it was a business trip, and I was like, yeah. "No." Um, I I got into this writing program and he's like, writing and I was like, Yeah, I wrote a book. And he looked at me for a minute, he's like, You wrote a book? And I said, Yeah, and he said, Well, what's it about? And I told him and he said, Ooh, that sounds good. Uh, I love it. <laughs> so he was surprised, but he has been so encouraging. He's been Yes, what did he say on your launch on your launch day? What has he said about all this? Oh my gosh. He has been like a rock star like I told my publicist he is angling for her job because wherever we go he runs down oh yeah it's been an entertainment weekly and she's been on the cover of library journal and he has been an absolute rock star in fact all three of my kids have everyone is so so excited because I think everybody thought wow this is a pretty cool thing I think it's a pretty cool thing It is a
1: pretty cool thing. It's demonstrably a pretty cool thing. And I know that we have a question asking you, and I don't want to take away from your launch, and this is the typical author question that people ask on launch week, and they're like, what are you working on now? And the author says, can't we just talk about my book that's out now that I worked on for 13 years? (laughs) Let me just say one more thing about that. Even more timely now, than it was when you began writing it. It mm-hmm. just resonates so gorgeously. It's so contemporary. It's, it's such a necessity for people to read. Trust me, all oh, you will love all her little secrets. But now I am gonna ask, because someone wanted me in the chat to ask, what are you working on now?
2: Sure, um, so I have just finished up book two, which is also a thriller. It is about two sisters who become embroiled in the murder of a white man. They are Black. He is white. It is Jim Crow, South Mississippi, 1964. So justice will not be uh, very uh, good to them if they stay. So they decide to run. One runs to the north, the other to a small town in Georgia. What they don't realize is someone knows what happened and is hot on their trail. And he has secrets of his own, including a motive that they are unaware of.
1: It sounds amazing. Do you have a
2: title? No title as yet. I'm horrible with titles, Hank. I mean, that's why you're not holding up the elephant fighter. You yeah.
1: Know? <laughs> well, my book yeah. doesn't have a title either. We are in this together. And I need to tell you that my husband, is a criminal defense and civil rights attorney, and he mm. worked in Mississippi in Jackson in the early '60s. So he was there during the time that your book takes place. So let me know. I if may you, need to talk to him. You would you you would get along. He's he had some amazing experiences that I'm sure he'd love to share. But your book is done. Your your book. Your book is um, Wanda, you are, let me see if you, if there are any questions that I've gone over my time, but you are so fantastic. If there are any quick questions, um, people are saying nothing better than a secret cooperative sisters. That sounds great. People are saying, Ooh, about your yeah. next book. Uh, Shannon is asking, did you have a say in the cover? It is. Oh great. my
2: gosh. Yes. Yes. Um, they asked me, my publisher asked me, what kinds of things do you like? What do you want? And there were really only two things that I asked one. I wanted a black woman on the cover. And um, the second thing is I wanted the cover to reflect what Elise had, the the dual timelines. Oh. And um, so I was like doing laundry or something and my agent uh, sends me a text and she says, go check your phone right now, go check your email right now. And I was like, oh my gosh, they've decided to cancel the book. Um, but I go and I open up um, my email and that picture is there and it blew me away. It is, it is I love it. Ploy Serpent is the art director at HarperCollins and she designed that. It's gorgeous. Stuff.
1: And if you can see, it's a woman and a gorgeous woman in cool, chic sunglasses. Mm-hmm. And in the, in the lens of the sunglasses is a little girl. So the two timelines um, just so perfectly realized in the cover of All Her Little Secrets by the fantastic Wanda Morris. Thank you so much for being with us this afternoon and many congratulations and long may you write. And please don't keep your writing secret ever, ever, ever. (laughs) Let me tell you all quickly before we go. Next Tuesday at four o'clock, we'll hear from Lynn Reeves, The Dangers Mm -hmm. of an Ordinary Night, a wonderful psychological thriller. If you love theater, this book is structured around the theater lots of easter eggs and lots of surprises and lots of secrets for theater fans about two families and two teenage girls both of whom are theater majors who go missing after an audition Mm -hmm. very tense very sinister and very revealing and today you have now about four more seconds to enter to win all her little secrets by wanda morris if we haven't picked the winner yet. Yeah. Then the winner is Emily Dame. Yes, look at that. I say it, it happens. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you, Backroom Blazers. It is not marvelous to have you all with us here today. Wanda, congratulations, and thank you for thank being you. here. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for joining us. I'm Tricia Blanchett for A Mighty Blaze Podcast. My debut novel, A Suspenseful Fantasy Called Herrick's End, is due out May 10th, and pre-orders are available now. Tune in next week for Season 5, Episode 5, featuring the Blaze's very own Jenna Blum. Until then, keep your Blaze burning and your pages turning.